Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast, and this is episode number 59, but I think I want to go ahead and say thank you for tuning in every week and supporting us, because this wouldn't be possible if nobody was listening, because then we wouldn't do it. (laughs) So thanks to all of our listeners, and I'm going to go ahead and do, do the whole congratulation thing on number 59, because number 60 will be the Buck Report this Friday, which only Jacob does typically, so we won't both be together to talk about it. But uh, Jacob, how are you doing, man? Episode 59. Uh, doing good, I guess you could say. Uh, this has been a, 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 a long night, it's going to be even a longer night uh, after we found the Buck. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're jumping ahead. You spilled the beans. <laughs> spilled yep. the beans. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, one, one more thing. Uh, you'll notice that there's still no intro music um, because uh, computer problems. That is all. So, we're trying to get that worked out. Um, if anybody has some good hookups on uh, intro music or whatever, <laughs> let us know because we need help. But, yeah, we're going to get that sorted out pretty soon if to uh, psa to all mac users don't download the uh mojave like operating system thing because it's a beta and it doesn't work with everything so i had to uninstall everything off my computer and i lost a whole bunch of crap including our intro music which is pretty inconvenient but anyways uh jacob normally i introduce you as the uh the ginger bow hunter but I think today I'm just gonna call you the the ginger buck shooter. That's all. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, dude. I don't know. It's a uh, been a good year, man. And uh, first sit on a new property. Uh, no, well, first sit on a property that I had permission to hunt on uh, since August. Uh, Pay dividends, man. It was it was awesome. Probably the great. Probably the craziest high energy deer hunts i've been on probably ever probably ever yeah well so it's like i man these last few podcasts have been like kind of all over the place and we haven't had a whole lot of time to discuss what's been going on with our season so we're gonna make this podcast kind of like a like a uh trial and error sort thing like what 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 we've been doing what's been failing and what's been succeeding and kind of like uh, letting the listeners catch up with our seasons, so let's uh let's kind of do like a little little introduction here about how our last few hunts have been going because we haven't really discussed it much on the last few intros. So, uh, excluding today, how have your last few hunts been going? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Hor- I can relate. Absolutely miserable, dude. So ever since that hunt with you and me, uh, that's almost. Three weeks ago now, when I shot that last day, uh, it was October. Oh man, it was like the weekend of October fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Well, 
since then it's been brutal. Um, haven't hunted a whole bunch since then. Uh, I've gone on probably, I don't know, two, two hunts, three hunts maybe since then. And I mean, this thing right now, I can't recall really seeing anything. Um, just trying, I was trying to get on some, some different deer activity and deer movement and just could not get a decent enough pattern, food pattern, uh, you know, to be able to really, you know, locate many deer. Um, so that was kind of a downside. Um, I'm trying to think what else has happened uh, since then. I mean, dude, it's been North Alabama. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, North Alabama was good. I guess you could say that other than that, but I mean, other than North Alabama, you know, up here in Tennessee was uh, kind of slow and just kind of, I don't know, just kind of choppy in the activity, you know, little spurts, Yeah. you know, every now and then, but you know, public land was kind of tough. Same. I mean, it, I was doing good early season in Georgia. Like, I was consistently seeing deer. I was seeing bucks. I, I had a shot opportunity at a buck. And I was I was passing does. Like, it was going good. And then Alabama opened up. And, dude, Alabama has just handed me my butt on a silver platter, dude. It, it's been every, every hunt in Alabama except that one in North Alabama has been a disaster i mean absolute disaster every one of them yeah actually so well, i was gonna say funny yeah. funny point with that i was talking to charles miller tonight um and, and we were talking about hunting alabama and i was telling him that you know tennessee just because the habitat train and just the deer numbers makes it seem easier to get on deer and, and get opportunities to be able to harvest some deer uh or kill deer if you're jordan barnes um <laughs> But in, anyways, it, he said, you know, he grew up in Alabama. He's like, man, it's tough in Alabama. He's like, there's a reason why everyone was running dogs in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's because <laughs> a lot of that place is so hard to hunt, man. It's, you know, that's the only way you kill some deer, which, you know, that's not, ne- yeah. that's not necessarily true. But, you know, he's, he's got a decent little point there. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it really is. Uh, I hunted with Zach on uh, our kind of our home turf where we both have hunted for a long time. And... I mean the the lack of deer sign. I've been I I would consider myself spoiled because the places I've been hunting in Georgia are really 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 nice. Uh, like really high deer numbers, just good buck quality. Never had any problem going in there and finding deer. I think I saw deer pretty much every single time I hunted, uh, or most times that I hunted. And then I come up to Tennessee and it's the same thing. Just abundance of deer, really really good habitat, and uh, then. Some of these places I hunt in Alabama just have a lower deer density. And, I mean, and the place that, you know, me and Zach hunted, which you're very familiar with, uh, you know, the deer numbers are there, but I, me and Zach were talking about it when we were there. And after a morning sit that produced nothing, uh, didn't even see a deer, I, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, this place is just, it's just difficult because of mainly access. Like, there's so much thick cover that i mean i used to say it was hard to narrow down bedding but i I don't really think it is anymore ever since we've kind of changed our style but just getting into places clean is is difficult there because you know you got good road access but a lot of times you know you're you're having to pass by a bedding area or you're having to walk through some thick stuff or something like that like the the terrain just makes it challenging you know no i agree i mean it's one of those things to be able to try to find what's holding the deer. Because when it all looks the same, you know, makes it kind of kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you're hunting 
you know, majority of ponds and, you know, you have, you know, some hardwood creek draw creek bobs and everything, where that's where you're finding a lot of the hunting pressure because everyone's trying to like go hunt some oaks. You know, it's hard to kind of find some deer on a decent pattern, uh, especially early season to be able to do much with them. Um, yeah. You know, especially just that central Alabama, you know, lower Alabama as well, old LA, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. Now where we were up in North Alabama was a different story though. Uh, yeah. North Alabama was nice, man. That, that was some terrain that I like hunting, you know? I mean, just uh, more, I would say more open ground. For me, more open ground makes things easier. Just because, one, there's kind of less places for the deer to be. But also, I mean, when you get down to it, it kind of narrows down where you can even hunt. You know, like when you have a lot of open ag fields or marshes or, or like, you know, like even like open water or anything, like a big river or something. It, it literally narrows down where you can sit, so I think it makes it easier to hunt there. Yeah, I guess you could say that, too. I mean, as long as you have the right gear, you know, definitely wish I would have brought some, like, hip waders. That probably would have been very nice. Or just rubber boots, oh, yeah. you know. I thought I thought I was going to make it, you know, make it work with my with the Loas, and, uh, and they, they worked okay first day. But that afternoon, man, slipping through the old beaver dam log jam, uh, <laughs> that, that, that was rough. Yeah, if if you didn't get that uh, like inside joke, you need to listen to the last podcast we did. That <laughs> that was an interesting one. Yeah, but yeah, that place was fun, dude. There was a lot of deer there, and you know we we kind of covered it in the last podcast that we did with Parker and all of them. Uh, but just to kind of give a quick rundown of it, it's like some pretty marshy habitat. Uh, really, like it's it's better for duck hunting. <laughs> like if 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 you're not familiar with that kind of place, you would look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I duck hunt there. But we were deer hunting, it, and it turned, it turned out to be really stellar deer hunting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did there what we always talk about we're supposed to do and we usually fail to do, which is, you know, go into a place with a spot in mind and just start blowing by stuff if you're not finding stuff that you want to set up on. Like, if we're not seeing hot fresh sign that gets us like real excited we're not setting up on it and me and you covered about one and a half miles that afternoon that i missed the doe and that's exactly what we did we pushed in through the marsh you know went through went through all these swamps all these little oak flats that looked fantastic and uh you know we just didn't see what we wanted to see eventually we got to stuff we were finding brand spanking new rubs new scrapes a lot of deer scat, you know, just tracks in general, just a lot of, like, hot sign. And we set up there, and it paid off. You know, we had an opportunity. Yeah. And then I shot and then I shot a limb. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Andrew's, Killed that tree. Andrew's over here using a freaking $60 arrow set up with his freaking, you know, $60 broadhead. No, it's not that much. How much is your broadhead? That was stupid. $40. Yeah, I don't know. $40 broadhead. Much. Freaking solid. It was a stupid purchase. I fully admit it was a stupid purchase. Yeah, okay. I, I got some nice broadheads, some like real expensive broadheads, thinking like, oh, I'll have these forever because you can resharpen them and they're really high quality steel. Well, no. It's all fun and games until you hit a limb and your uh, your arrow gets wedged in the inner circle of the earth yes. and you can't find it. <laughs> yeah, so one, one thing, guys. You know, Andrew quickly realized why you don't shoot, you know, 
broadheads that cost 130 to 140 dollars for a set of three and why you don't shoot i got them for less than that though okay and why you just don't, so i don't sound completely stupid i got them i got them like way cheaper than that he got them used i'm not i'm not that I, 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 i'm not i'm not that frivolous i've never heard of someone buying used broadheads until i met andrew so yeah. oh boy but anyways and then also uh he learned why you should have lighted knocks we're legal uh i'm a huge fan of lighted knocks uh i definitely think it helps with either recovering deer or at least recovering your arrow to figure out what the heck happened and that would have been nice that not during that hunt because man it skipped and bounced and uh who knows where that arrow's at right now they're, they're gonna they're oh gonna, yeah they're gonna find it when they freaking take a farmer goes out there and takes a takes a bush hog or something they're gonna they're gonna find it Dude, that thing is in the mantle of the earth. I went back and looked at the footage. So, you're like, this video is going to drop this week after this podcast is released. And uh, basically at first, like you'll see in the video, I'm like, I'm pretty mad. And I'm like, dang it, dude, I shot under that deer because I thought I misjudged the distance. And then we go back and look at the footage and we're like, oh, wait, no, she ducked the arrow. Because you kept saying that you saw something go right over her back and she ducked pretty hard. And then I got home, and I, I got the image on my computer, on, like, the big screen and everything, and watched it frame by frame. And what actually happened is, okay, so I got a, a two-blade broadhead. It's a solid legend broadhead. And the, I shot, and the broadhead was facing, like, 90 degrees straight up and down. There's a limb in front of me that I couldn't reach to break off, and I just, in the heat of the moment, you know, forgot it was there. And I shoot, and the bottom blade deflected off of that limb and basically put, like, an arch, like a big arch in the travel of my arrow. So the arrow goes, like, two feet over her back and just buries itself right behind her. Like, it didn't skip or anything. It just buried itself in the dirt right there. I don't know how we couldn't find it, but it's <laughs> it's in that field right there. I could, I could see it go up under the grass. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it was rough. I mean, that was the that was probably the, one of the biggest does I've ever seen in Alabama. At least mature doe. I mean, that deer. I yeah. mean, she had a chest on her, man. I'm talking. God, I can't wait to see the footage on the video. It's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, it's not gonna be awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, it's gonna be awesome except for the last part. Yep. It it, it looks <laughs> my my my, ca- my cameraman skills. This hunt was on point. Unlike Wyoming. Yeah, you did good. Yeah, this it was on point. Saddle came in handy. So if he put us in a tree that was covered in poison ivy, and I'm just now recovering from it. So. Yeah, I still got a little bit on my arm. That's how you know. I don't usually get poison ivy. I don't know why, but, you know, I can, like, get all up in it. I don't usually get it. But I got it this time, and it has been annoying, to say the least. But it's, it's starting to go away now. Yep. But, uh, anyway, so, yeah, that, that was Alabama. Also, Andrew... Loves going places, guys, when it warms up and he intentionally wants to find water moccasins because that's where we no. go. That's where we go. Yeah. yeah, that was okay. So that was a dinosaur. We're going we're gonna to cover this real quick and then we're going to stop talking about failure and talk about your hunt from today. But yeah, we the, the last day of our time in North Alabama, we're like, let's push into the other side of this marsh and just see what's over there. So when we come back next year, we have a much better idea of what we want to do. So we start out hiking in, and it's pretty cool that morning. It had been uh, pretty cold that weekend. There's a good cold front. So we start bebopping in there, and we get way back in that swamp. And, of course, you know, it gets to be noon, and it heats up. 
that's when things got interesting. Yeah, so we kind of get get to a dike on the edge of this marsh, and I'm like trying to get up on this dike. This dike's about you know three feet tall, maybe three three and a half feet tall, and I'm like getting on top of it. I just happen to look down, and I'm like, oh, looky here, a baby water moccasin, and he's just chilling, dude. He's just looking up at me, just chilling. Couple, you know, a couple feet from me with my boy. I'm like, you know, Andrew, this is a sign, man. It's a sign, and by God, was it not a sign? Mm-hmm. We found, we found but it. But before, <laughs> huh? No, Go ahead. no, I was gonna say we found it's a, it's a grandmama after that because uh, by God, oh God, that snake we saw. I, dude, I had, I had somebody make fun of me. Well, actually, it was my uncle. I was telling him about it. I was like, man, that thing was a dinosaur. That was the biggest water moccasin, girth-wise, and probably almost length-wise, too, I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of water moccasins, too. That's, <laughs> that snake, when I looked over, I'm like, that, that can't be a water moccasin. As big as it is, I mean, it's got to be like a big, you know, like banded water snake or something. By God. Python. Dude, I swear to God. I was like, oh, man, we're living we're living in the movie Anaconda. Okay. Oh, dude. Yeah, I was, I was talking to one of my buddies uh, who had watched that Snapchat story. He was like, that boy doesn't like snakes, does he? I was like, no. No, I didn't. No, like, like I, I, you know, I grew up catching snakes and stuff growing up, like, you know, younger and everything. And, you know, when I'm walking, if I see a snake, I don't care what it is, at a, you know, 10, 10 feet or so, we're cool. But when I'm, like, walking up on the SOB, and by God, he's, like, you know, about to nibble on my boot, I, I'm, I'm not cool with that. So, I don't, I mean, even a water, or just a regular water snake, man, that catch me off guard. I'm like, uh-uh. But it's all good. No, I, I'm a guy... I try not to kill snakes, especially especially I, I will never kill a non non venomous snake. But uh, you know, I try not to kill any venomous snakes too if I don't have to. It's just no point, man. I'll have their purpose, especially te- especially rattlesnakes. I really have a new appreciation for rattlesnakes. Ever, yeah, ever since we talked to uh, Chris Jenkins, who is a uh, uh, I believe he is the CEO of the Orion Society, which is kind of a reptile conservation group uh, that focuses on snakes. We spent a weekend down in uh, Perdido Key with for a BHA event, and Chris was there, and we had some very, very interesting conversations with him just about snakes and everything. So we're going to try and have him on at some point before turkey season, talking about, like, snake safety and stuff. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he, he kind of changed my outlook on snakes too. But to, to kind of make a long story short, we were walking along this marsh, and there's a little dike between the marsh and the creek that's probably – uh, I don't know, eight yards wide or so, and not very wide at all. Uh, just like a short, like a tiny little land bridge, basically between you know a big body of water and a creek. We cross a beaver dam, we get onto it, and we're trying to work back way into this marsh. And you could go, you know, left on the marsh side, or you could go right on the creek side. And the creek side had trees, and it was kind of shaded and a little bit more open. And then the marsh side was pretty open. I mean, it was mostly, you know, like the bank, which was made up of, you know, vegetation and and random, you know, beaver-chewed sticks and everything. And Jake turned around to me. He was he was in the front. I was filming in the back. He's like, should we go left or right? And I kind of looked for a minute, and I was like, uh, let's go right. And so we go down there. We, we make it, you know, a couple yards. And then I look to my left, you know, on kind of the higher ground towards the marsh where we almost walked, and about four feet away – there is a cottonmouth that is like the size of a freaking Louisville slugger, dude. Big mama jamma. Dude, it was, that was a, uh, I mean, that, like, guys, I've, again, I've seen a lot of snakes in my life, okay? I've caught a lot. 
I've never seen a Walmart center that size. And it looked it didn't look very impressive on the Instagram story. But when you see the actual footage, guys, that we're about to post on this hunt and on that little scouting trip, oh my god, dude, that snake straight up squared up to Andrew. <laughs> oh yeah. So whenever I come across a snake like that, I just run it off because I'm like, I don't necessarily want to kill it. I don't want to risk getting bit trying to kill it. And plus, I don't really care to kill it anyways, especially way back in a marsh like that. And uh, so I usually like grab a stick or something and I like poke it and get it to run off. So I start messing with the snake and it just doesn't move. I'm like, all right, we got a brave one. So I'm like poking it and messing with it. And I like pick up its tail with a stick and like kind of like nudge it. And this thing like slithers off the dike and goes into the water and swims about one foot off of the bank and then just freaking turns around and stares at us. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's just like giving us a death glare, man. That thing wasn't playing around. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was about to say like, you know, that dike was probably only, I don't know, seven, eight feet wide maybe. Um, so like if he wanted to come back, boy, by God, we about to be swimming or running back by some snaky looking stuff so uh yeah that's that's when i got like uh, that's when i got nervous is when he started coming back towards us i was like oh okay this is about to get interesting oh yeah for sure but um anyways i think that's enough of that i think everyone kind of if they listen to last week's episode uh you know kind of got a little bit of north alabama and uh, of course our instagram story was quite entertaining so i was told about the snakes so yeah and i i fell crotch deep in mud Oh yeah, by God, yeah. Andrew was like covering. Were, were those actually leeches, or what were those things on you? Yeah, they were leeches. Uh, so there's a this is the last thing about North Alabama, and then we're done. Because uh, <laughs> this didn't make it on the last podcast, because it happened the day after. So you know we're going in here to scout, and we're crossing all these beaver dams, and I'm wearing the knee high lacrosse boots, and Jacob's wearing his uh his uh, loa boots, and he, you know he's like waterproofed like a little bit above his ankle, basically. And I'm waterproof all the way up to my knee. And we find this big, huge beaver dam, which we were having to cross a bunch of beaver dams to get in there. And the water beneath the beaver dam is like four inches deep at the deepest. And I'm like, oh, we could probably cross right here. So I walk down to the edge of the water. I'm like, hey, let me let me test how deep it is or how muddy it is or something like that. The water's like an inch deep. So I'm like, yeah, it'll probably sink up to my ankle or so. I take a step, dude, and I go straight up all, my entire leg all the way up to my crotch. Goes into the mud. I'm mm. like, uh oh. While <laughs> while holding my camera, and I, I I almost had a heart attack. I'm like, by God, give me the camera. <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude. And I turn around and I try to like crawl out of it because I've gotten in like that deep of mud before, and it's like quicksand. I mean, you literally have to like kind of fall on your belly and like army crawl out of it almost. And I put my arm forward to, like, start crawling, and I just go shoulder deep. I'm like, oh, my God, this is bad. Yeah. So I'm just covered in, like, this smelly, rotten swamp mud. And I we get up, and we, like, laugh about it and everything, and I'm, like, all filthy, covered with mud. We start walking, and I get, like, 20 yards, and I, all of a sudden I just feel crap biting all over my legs. So I stop, go over there, and take my boot off, and there's freaking leeches all up and down my leg, all up in my socks and everything. So I had, we had to sit there and pluck a few leeches off of me, and then slap that boot back on and kept going. <laughs> yeah, dude, that sucked. I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, maybe it is leeches. And like, you start picking them off. I'm like, oh hell no! I'm like, I am not getting in that crap. Screw that, mm. son. Listen. Mm. Yeah, that was the swamp tried to kill us. Yep, yep. 
this it was, it was our fault again trying to go in there on the warmest day finding some snakes and the whole freaking thing was just covered in water oh mosquitoes by god those mosquitoes just wanted to pick you up and take you away man <laughs> that, that, that was that was almost worse than the snakes. I want to say I, I, I actually would rather deal with snakes than that as bad as mosquitoes were. So yeah, they're pretty brutal. But enough about failure. Um, so now we're going to talk about Jacob's hunt that he just had this afternoon, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of question you on it. So while you're rolling through it, I will interrupt you to ask more questions. So where were you at today? So today. Um, I started to believe maybe I should try to break out some of this private land that I've got access to. That's what I did this afternoon. I uh, decided to go down there. Um, it's south of Nashville. It's not too far south of Nashville. Um, still kind of in the urban area, but it's outside of uh, city limits. Um, really just decided to go out there and just see what this afternoon you know would entail. You know, it's November the fourth and you know talking to you i kind of was asking you whether or not you think i should have went out this afternoon or in the morning because of the rain and uh thankfully i went out this afternoon man because uh it turned out to be um what started to be probably one of the most miserable hunts to changing very fast you know later on in the hunt i mean it, it was just it was just insane yeah so uh so yeah, it's muzzleloader season now, and you did not bring a muzzleloader. Why didn't you bring a muzzleloader? Oh boy, oh man. So I have a Thompson Center Encore uh, muzzleloader. Uh, you know, I swap barrels out and everything with it. I have I bought it in that configuration, uh, but I've never shot it in the muzzleloader configuration. I've only shot it uh, with my rifle barrel. So I, I didn't feel like dealing with all that this past week, trying to side it all in and this and that, and just you know go shoot the thing. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna hunt with a bow, and uh, you know see what happens. And by God, was that a mistake? Um, which you know, well, it still turned out all right. I mean, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, footage, <laughs> footage is awesome, dude. But I'm, I'm just telling you, man. God, I'm, I wish I had a crack at freaking that g2 buck man jesus all right we're jumping ahead okay so so you went to your private land uh describe the spot you went to and why you went there yeah so the property was a old cattle farm uh the owner has not had cattle on the property i think he said for six this would be the sixth year i believe uh, yeah, and this is this is the place that we hunted during the velvet hunt which is on our youtube channel mm-hmm. same property um so with all that being said there's not a whole bunch of trees on the property it's mostly pasture only trees are where either there is already a fence row uh where they had fenced off you know back corner of the property uh or where there used to be fencing uh which the fencing now is no longer there and it's got a bunch of trees and then of course down the creek um so i i decided you know, it's going to be like a south-southeast wind. Uh, you have to enter the property from the south, which is kind of a downside to it. But I was going to sit up kind of in the middle of the property. It's a big ridge in the middle of the property uh, where all these kind of fields come to come, come together. I was going to sit up there and just try to get a good vantage spot to do an observation to sit, see where some of these deer are coming out at, and maybe if I could lay my eyes on one of the big bucks that we had on camera. Uh, which speak about that, I have not checked that camera since August. Oh man, 
it was like three days before the, the gun hunt, or I mean, for the velvet hunt. Um, so like August, I don't know, 20th, I guess. Mm-hmm. And have not checked it since then. I'm sure it's freaking slap full of pictures of that freaking big buck and everything else. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I know going into a spot like this where you kind of left it alone for a long period of time, you know, definitely pay uh, dividends for you when you're going in there for your first time. And I mean, that's what happened. I mean, I, I, I really didn't get set up where I wanted to be, uh, but it played into my favor. I really did set up farther towards the center of the property than what I wanted. I wanted to actually get up towards where the ridge kind of drops down towards the creek and watch this one corner of the property where I know the deer are kind of coming from consistently, uh, just from observations, uh, while hunting out there and everything else and decided against it, decided that, you know, maybe get a little bit farther up where I can see all the pastures all the around me and just see what it looks like. And again, these pastures, you know, Andrew calls them CRP. Well, they're not really CRP. It's just, you know, native grass is kind of all grown up, mixing with a bunch of, uh, you got a lot of briars in there, like patches of briars, which definitely have hold deer, uh, in the past when I've been out there, you know, jump them out of there. Um, so yeah, dude, I mean, pretty much got sat up on this corner of these two fence rows where they come together. There's a gap in the fence or a gap in the fence row. that's probably about 20 yards wide, uh, where there another tree line starts and kind of just got sat up there just as an observation sit, man. And it, it turned into a lot more than that. Yeah. So it was it was uh, not ideal when you got out there. But what what was what was the weather like, and how did that kind of impact how you thought the afternoon would go? So it was overcast, extremely windy. Um, the Weather Channel app was saying a consistent wind of eighteen miles an hour, which I would say is probably pretty accurate. Um, gusting probably twenty two, twenty five, maybe. Uh, and when you're in the wide open you know, kind of terrain like that. There's not much trees kind of break up the wind. I mean, it, it hits you pretty hard. I, I knew the wind, though, would be good. Even with a southeast wind, if I, if I swung real wide, because I enter the property uh, on the southwest corner, and I can run all the way down the side of the property and, and cut back up into it. And I, I knew the way the topography and everything was, the wind would be good for me. Um, so, you know, just wasn't very worried about it and kind of swung in there. And actually, on the way in, there's a pond on the property. There was actually a doe bedded on the edge of the pond. And, like, I, I, I saw her from about 100 yards away. And I at first, I didn't believe my eyes what I was looking at. And I was like, man, I swear to God, if she, like, blows at me, like, that's gonna that's probably going to ruin it. And I got within about 60 yards of her and just filmed her. And she looked at me and just, I mean, wasn't all that concerned. I just kind of kept walking like, you know, I was just out there you know, inspecting the property or whatever, no big deal. And she cared less and just lay there the whole time while I walked up around her and uh, kept going on the property. So that was pretty cool. So that definitely gave me a lot more hope uh, that, you know, the deer are definitely on the property. They definitely haven't been pressured, uh, hunting pressure. Um, so I, I knew they are going to be acting extremely natural, still probably in a food pattern. And then, you know, whether or not, you know, the does are coming to heat uh, right now and maybe catching some younger bucks chasing, you know, that was probably just going to be a bonus. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, that property is a lot of like native grasses, like a lot of stuff that's like kind of, kind of like belly button height or taller. And you mentioned it was really windy. So it kind of makes me wonder if, 
you know, there were a bunch of deer out there because of how windy it was. Those those grasses are actually a really, really good windbreak. Like, if you've ever been in that kind of area before, like in that kind of, a, like, habitat type, on a really windy day, if you, like, sit down in the grass, like, you can hardly even feel the wind. Like, it, it blocks the wind very, very well. So I wonder if that's why some of those deer were hanging out there. Yeah, and that might be the case. Uh, I know majority of the deer after you know getting to sit and you know kind of jumping ahead a little bit came down from the creek um so uh, and again down there there's a lot more thicker cover so it, it makes sense that they're going to bed down there um you know that that southward that south facing slope down by the creek it has a ton of vegetation on it that is you know chest high head high that would make good you know kind of thermal cover but really good like a wind blocker kind of like what you're talking about that would make sense for them to go down their bed and then get up and kind of feed around. But I'm telling you what, man, it's like a natural food plot. I mean, dude, everything out there, the deer, what I saw today, they were feeding on absolutely everything. I mean, it was phenomenal to kind of see everything that they were browsing on and how how much those deer liked it. I mean, you know, again, jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, some of those bucks, man, they just, I don't know what they were feeding on, but they absolutely loved it. Like, they did not want to move from a couple different spots, uh, which actually is, it's got me uh, picked out a new tree, man, which uh, when you come up here, I've got a very high hopes. If we get the same kind of wind conditions and everything, um, might get you an arrow and a, and a buck, and by God, I will have me a muzzleloader next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, weather conditions were a little bit dreary, I guess you could say. Uh, you're setting up on the fence gap wanting to do an observation sit. Uh how, do, how was the hunt going when you got up there? Well, another thing about the weather conditions, you know, it's overcast, real windy, and there was a, a very high chance of rain, like 70 and 80% starting at like 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And by God, that was on the money. I mean, it started raining maybe at about 3 o'clock, uh, or if not a little bit sooner than that. I got in the stand, or in the, should I say in the saddle, at one uh, forty-five which actually was, took me 30 minutes longer to get set up than I wanted to. Um, the tree I picked was absolute living hell. And I only got, it's probably only 12 feet up if that. Just I, I didn't need to get very high just because of the location and everything. Plus, the tree offered a lot of cover uh, with a lot of other branches on it and vegetation. Um, but I have no clue what kind of tree that is, but it's extremely slick bark. The lone wolf sticks wanted to slide on it. The sound approach steps wanted to slide on it. And it was just, it was a battle the whole time, dude. I mean, just to kind of get up it. And then my hands and forearms are all cut up from climbing it because it's got little burrs on it. Is the only way I can describe it. These little, like, I mean, little points on the freaking bark. And by God, man, you know, if you're trying to, like, grab on or anything, using your lines and belt and trying to adjust anything, man, you get your hands all cut up. And that's exactly what happened to me today. Um, that's interesting. I can't wait to see that tree. I want to figure out what it is it's not it didn't have like spikes on it did it no 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 it's just i mean it's like little nubs i mean look at it, it just it looks like bumpy bark like just uh, i can't really describe it but it absolutely will do a number on you i found out i will figure it out this coming weekend and we will relate that to our audience yep well anyways i, I just found out it's extremely slick so that was that was a pain in the butt to climb um but once I get situated, it was definitely a money spot. You know, I could I can see 360 degrees around me. That's the one good thing I really liked about the saddle. Uh, I definitely think hunting out of the saddle gave me a huge advantage in that spot just for concealability. You know, being closer to the trees, there was a lot of branches uh, kind of like coming out 
you know, farther down from my legs. And it really let me kind of blend into the tree, I believe, to look like another branch coming out of the tree, other than having it stay in there where it looks like just a blob uh, just sitting there. Plus, it allowed me to see 360 degrees, which was important uh, to kind of look at deer movement, you know, in a very quickly but very uh, movement stealthy. Fr- yeah, stealthy movement free kind of uh, observation, which was nice. Um, now, with the whole setup and everything, my whole goal, again, was just to try to look for deer and just try to cover as much ground as possible using binos and just try to pick everything apart and just see what happened. Now, right when I got in the stand, or saddle, I keep saying stand, but get in the saddle, got situated, got comfortable, and I kept feeling like a little bit of raindrops. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a pain in the butt. And I actually brought, uh, and I did a post today on the uh, self-filming Facebook page, uh, self-filmers Facebook page. I actually have these backpack uh, rain covers, which are like uh, elastic rain covers that go over a backpack to kind of keep them waterproof. And I actually took one of them with me to put on my camera, and it worked flawlessly. Um, but after a little while, I had to put that on there, man. It started just drizzling. Uh, not super heavy, but definitely heavy enough where it started getting on the camera a good bit. And, uh, man, I, it's kind of funny. You know, you're in that position. I, I really kept feeling negative about the whole situation. I'm like, man, this is like a crappy freaking hunt. You know, the wind's perfect for what I want, the way it's blowing coming out of the southeast. But I'm like, the weather's crappy. It's super high winds. It's starting to drizzle. I'm like, unless this crap dies down, I'm probably not going to see Jack, dude. And I really really had thoughts about getting down and either still hunting or just kind of hunting from the ground and see what happened. But I was texting you or texting somebody, and all of a sudden I just happened to look up, and, you know, 30 yards from me there was a, a, a fawn, a doe fawn from this year feeding on something so that kind of got me distracted and that was kind of the uh kind of what started to roll the whole hunt together uh once once she popped out started filming with her and man it, they just started popping out like everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so walk us through that part which by the way i'm, I'm i bet you're pretty glad you didn't uh, shimmy out of that tree and go stomping around yeah no that would that would have been stupid I mean, I kind of, I told myself, I'm like, if I get down, you know, I haven't been on this property in three months, you know, why go tromping around right now and leave all that kind of scent when it's not necessary? Like, just sit here, suffer through it, you know, and then get out, see what happens. But, um, you know, she came out probably about 3 o'clock and about, it was probably 3, 3.15, 3.20, something like that, maybe 3.30. Again, she kind of kept looking, uh, she was looking all around her, so I was like waiting for another deer to pop out. And she came direct, she was directly to the east of me. Uh, and I just happened to look to the southeast and that there's a little ridge, a little rise in the field that drops right down to the, to the uh, creek. And I mean, you kind of know where it is, but there's another little tree line right there where a little spring is. I just happened to look right there in that, that big grass spot. And I just saw a gray body stand, you know, standing there. I was like, oh, that's a deer. Pulled my binos up quickly. Saw it was a buck. Uh, got the camera on it, got some cool footage, and I was like, kept looking around. I'm like, oh man, there's another deer. There's another buck, and I kind of like looked through the binos and got some footage of it. And then I kept looking. There's another buck. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, how many deer are there right now? And I'm like, I was still kind of surprised. I'm like, they're all kind of grouped up together. And then I'm just like watching through the binos and like with the camera, and all of a sudden I just catch like a big rack in the background, like coming up the hill, and all I can see is his tines, and he's like moving his head around. I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, that's the moment, man, where you're like, oh my God. Dude, and I, that was on footage too. And I'm like, he just like, he just appeared out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh boy. And a second, he, he turned his head. I saw, 
I saw what his rack his rack looked like, but he turned his head and I saw that kick come off, coming off his right G2. I'm like, that's the one. So guys, back in August, right before the velvet hunt, I had a video of a batch group of bucks came by and there was this one buck who came by who was a, I mean, he was the toad, big body, really nice rack. Um, not super wide, you know, right at the ears, maybe just a baby, a touch outside the ears, but real tall rack. And he had a, he had a, a hook kicker coming off his right G2. And man, the second I saw that deer, I'm like, that's him. And by God, he looks, he looks, he looks good. Hard horn. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but, but he came up, man, he just started feeding and, you know, kept, you know, showing off with the other bucks. I was getting some cool footage and then he started sparring with some of the younger bucks and dude, then another buck came out. I mean, I got to look at the footage again. I haven't rewatched it, but I think there was probably five bucks total that popped up right there. Uh, one was a forky, I think, uh, one was like a half rack. Oh, I don't know what he was. He was like big on his left side, and he, I couldn't tell if he had a spike on the on the right side or if he just broke it off. Um, then there was the other deer, which is the one I shot, which is like a jacked up looking deer. He's got a he's got a, his main beam come off the left side, I think, with four tines. His right side literally like just comes up and just like has tines that just kind of come out of everywhere. Um, just a crazy looking deer. Um, and then there was a really good looking two and a half year old eight point short time eight point which you know wasn't going to shoot him but he was kind of entertaining out there just watching him uh but yeah dude they just popped up and the man i was like man it's game time it's game time like this is exactly what i wanted i saw where they came out at i'm like this is perfect so they pop out and you know you're seeing them like mill around over there what were they doing? You know, it's it's November fourth, and these these bucks are basically basically like bachelored up. Are they are they like fighting? Are they just feeding around? Like, w- what's their activity doing right now? Like, are they are they starting to rut? What's going on? So the the bigger I, I did see them spar the the big buck, which I I mean I'm not a big fan of like naming deer, but just like to give him a general name, just because there's so many bucks out there, it would be nice. Um, but anyways, the, I would say you know, split G2 buck or whatever. He was sparring with two of the other bucks where they'd kind of like go back and forth. And it wasn't anything aggressive. They would just like kind of touch times and kind of work at each other a little bit. And then they, you know, they look up and like, then they start feeding and then they go back at it again. And it wasn't nothing like at all serious. I mean, you could just tell they were just kind of like, you know, just testing the waters a little bit, you know, definitely didn't look aggravated. Um, so that kind of got me thinking uh, to the point where, you know, definitely we're probably a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks out uh, for this location. But one thing that kind of caught me off, well, not really caught me off guard, but it was very surprising was I was kind of watching the bigger deer kind of keep tabs on him. He was still kind of feeding the same area for about 20, 30 minutes. And uh, at that time, they were about 150 yards from me. Uh, they all kind of looked up and kind of looked up in my general direction uh, on this other fence row. And I was like, man, what the hell are they looking at? And uh, all of a sudden, I just catch a freaking glimpse because I'm looking through the viewfinder. I catch a glimpse of a deer running. I look down, and there's a doe hauling butt, dude, right down the fence row. And again, I'm like in a corner of these two fence rows, two tree lines. She's coming down the one that's running east to west. I'm sitting on the one looking north to south. And she's running down, and she runs right underneath the saddle, right underneath the stand where I'm at. And she's huffing and puffing. And all of a sudden, I hear this buck grunting coming after. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, I look down, it's just. It's that short time eight point. 
And, uh, man, I'm trying to like work the camera on them. And I'm like, the doe gets behind me and I don't know if she's looking up at me. So I'm like trying to move slowly, trying to get some footage of him grunting. And he's just like chasing her grunting every step. He's like, I mean, it's cool. Uh, got some cool footage of him and they kind of like worked off and she kind of like gave him the slip. She like ran out in the field, did a big wide circle, came back by me. And then he kind of just, you know, kept going South. Um, anyways, but that doe, she finally came up back to where I was at with that doe fawn, uh, that I had out in front of me and they worked right underneath the saddle. And I thought about shooting her. Then I was like, you know what, you know, I've already, already shot, you know, I've already killed two does. This probably isn't the best place to shoot a doe right now when I've got all these bucks out here. Uh, there's too much opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And uh, plus, you know, the footage wasn't going to be great if I was going to get a shot at her. But she came back past me right where the buck that I shot walked uh, later on. And I think that really helped me out with him. Uh, she kind of came back by, circled, uh, went down with me, never spooked or anything, dude. It was I was impressed. I mean, 12 feet off the ground, not using any kind of – didn't control anything and uh i mean just hard blown wind couldn't really tell what the thermals were doing just you know blowing hard and uh she sat down with me milling around and just kind of kind of wandered off but dude the crazy thing was i was so kind of tight with him i'll look back up and i can't find the big deer and i'm like man i'm like where the heck did he go because i was worried he was gonna like work down the creek and everything and stay way outside of range um which is fine because again i kind of had the mindset, you know, I'm sitting in an observation sit or observation stand, but happened to look up again and I forgot what caught my eye, but I just see antlers. I just see ties and dude, he's like 80 yards from me. He had just walked across the little draw and popped up on the other side of this thicket of like just blackberries and briars. And he was standing right there feeding 80 yards. And man, that's when I was like, Ooh, this could, this could happen. This could happen right now. Oh yeah. That's the moment. That's the moment, man. So, um, and again, he was kind of feeding up towards me and I lost all the other bucks, all the other bucks kind of like, I guess, dispersed that was with them. But, you know, had the two, the doe, the doe fawn and that little buck run by me right through this, you know, this gap in the, in the, uh, the two tree lines in the fence row, I was like, man, there's, there's probably a good chance he's going to try to come up through this same spot. And then do, you know, something similar to what they did. And I was like, you know, I'm like, you know, so I was trying to work on my camera angles, trying to see what shots I have. And while he was out there about, I don't know, 80 yards or so, I actually tried to shoot. You know, I drew back, you know, on my weak hand side. I had to adjust myself in the saddle and do some crazy stuff. But just to see if I can even shoot that and see if that was even an option. And after I tried it out, I'm like, yeah, you know, it wouldn't be bad at all. Range it off 30 yards, cross the gap. That's when it got interesting, dude. He starts walking, and he's walking right to me. And I'm like, oh, boy. And he's at 80 yards, and he gets up to about 65. And he's at about 50. And then he gets to, yeah, right about 50 yards, man. And he just stands there and keeps feeding. And by this time, it's probably it's probably 4, 420, 415, 420, something like that. So, you know, still get, you know, over an, about an hour or so of daylight left. No big deal. But uh, he just, man, he's just milling around right at 50, 45 yards. And I'm looking at him, and I, I see him great in the viewfinder. I can see him pretty good from where I was standing. But at that time, I had to spin about 180 degrees in the saddle to be able to even get an opportunity to shoot. So that's the crazy part, which, guys, if you see when you see this footage, it's going to be insane what I had to do, contort my body to be able to get a shot off. Uh, which which was pretty fascinating to say the least. 
That's the advantage of the saddle, though, I guess. I mean, you were able to pull off the shot. Yeah, I mean, also just being able to get in a tree real tight like that with the saddle was nice. Uh, Where, you know, if you had the the stand, I mean, you could have got a stand in the tree, but you're not going to be able to see all the way around you without having to, you know, either get up to look around you or really have to strain your body to look around. Where I'm in the saddle, dude, I mean, I can just bend one knee, strain out the other leg, and I can, I mean, just move a couple inches. I can see you know, a pretty, pretty big amount of distance around me, uh, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, and another thing about that saddle, when you're, like, moving and looking around like that, you can move so, like, fluently and slowly. Uh, it's just it's just nice because I feel like – how do I put it? You know what I'm talking – it's not like a, like a short, like, fast movement. You can, like, slowly ease over in that thing so smoothly. It's like – uh, it's like really stealthy feeling. I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense. But. Yeah, and, and when I, well, the crazy thing was when I had the the doe, the buck, and then that doe and the doe fawn that was behind me, I had full confidence, dude. Just like with everything I was wearing, and then where I was in this tree, that I could move in the tree as long as it was like you said, smooth motion, because it was windy. It was, it was you know, at that time it was probably I don't know eight mile an hour winds. Um, I knew I had enough wind covered to kind of like you know hide a little bit of my movement up in that tree. But I just felt that, you know, with me facing that tree, they're looking at me, and they, it just looks like I'm either another trunk of the tree or I'm a branch. And, I mean, again, when the wind's blowing, freaking branches moving and crap. So it gave me a lot more confidence to be able to move in the stand or move up there than if I was in a tree stand. Yeah. So so what happened next? So I, I kind of skipped through all this earlier. I, I did rattle um, two different long sessions around, like, 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Uh, with no luck when it was just high winds. Um, when I had the bucks, um, well, when the bigger deer, uh, which again, I need to come up with something to name that stupid deer. When he was working. G2 buck. G2 buck. Well, there you go. When he was walking up and he got to 45 yards, I instantly, I saw him pick up his head and he started looking uh, more directly to the west. And I, again, I'm facing south at that point. Um, and he just started walking, dude, straight west, and was not giving me any kind of clear shot. First of all, I'm not, I'm not taking a 45-yard shot, period, at any deer. Uh, I'm not taking a 40-yard shot at any deer. Um, so he needed to be 35, 30 yards, something in there to be able to make me feel comfortable. Um, and he just, man, he walked right up to that tree line, the next tree line, and just, I mean, sat there with his butt just feeding, and all I could see was his butt, and all of a sudden... He kind of walks through the trees, and I thought he was going to come up to the trees and then kind of J-hook around me, you know, out in front of me, probably 40, 50 yards. That's what I thought he was going to do. Instead, he comes out, and I'm watching with the binos while this other buck, which, you know, I had another buck walking in on me as well. But I was watching him, and he was just feeding directly away from me, dude, right down the tree line, and I was just walking straight to the pond. I'm like, daggum it, dude. And at that time, I thought about my man. I'm like, I wonder if I could get down from this, this saddle and sneak up on him t- and, get, and get a shot off the ground. But I was like, that that would be a that would not not work at all. There's no way. Um, but anyways, the second that buck, uh, the G2 buck, hit that tree line, started heading you know away from me. That's when the other buck came by, uh, and he he did the same thing as the G2 buck. He walked and was about 45 yards, walked into that tree line. And the second he got there, I was like, you know, I'm gonna throw a couple grunts out. Uh, I had grunted to them earlier at like 100 yards, and they just they could not hear it. It was so windy. So I grunted twice, uh, a, a short contact grunt and a little longer grunt after that, dude. And, man, I that 
the younger of the two deer, smaller two bucks, uh, swung back, swung back to me. And that's when, uh, I was like, man, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get an opportunity at this deer. And, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a rush again, how I had to contort my body to almost phase directly away from the tree. I mean, that's pretty much what was happening. I almost had my back to the tree, how I was up in that, uh, saddle and, uh, man, it was, it was something else. It, it definitely, so, it, well, it gave me a lot of confidence for what I can do going forward, uh, forward with different situations and how to kind of handle them while in the saddle, which was nice. Yeah. So yeah, like this, this other buck kind of starts coming into that grunt and, uh, I mean, he presented you with a pretty good shot, right? A freaking chip shot, man. 10 yards. Um, it's one of those things that when he swung back by, and I, I, I got to look at the footage again to see which buck it is. It might be this 11 point I've got on camera, um, who I think is a three and a half year old. He's got really jacked up. He's like, he's got a jacked up left main beam and a right main beam, uh, but he's just got a bunch of tines coming off his base. It, it might be that deer, or if it's not that deer, then it's a deer that looks very similar to him. Um, and yeah, he just kind of swung back by and he started falling that trail where that doe had walked. I was like, man, this is going to be money. But then the second he starts falling that trail, I'm like, crap, you know, I'm kind of spit, spun the wrong way where if I had my, you know, if I was facing the tree, I could easily, you know, shoot my strong side, you know, twist around, shoot my strong side right in this big opening he's going to come through. And I'm like that, you know, he's way too close. By this time he's 22 yards, 25 yards from me. I'm like, I can't get the bow back over the bridge spin back around and get the camera back around before he, you know, walks past that opening. So I just kind of kept, kept doing my thing. Uh, had my back to the tree pretty much in the saddle and, uh, you know, kind of adjusted the camera right in the opening where I thought he was going to walk. And, uh, turns out, thank God I got, thank, just, thank God guys I always run a GoPro, uh, GoPro in 4k. You can always blow up the shot a little bit, but I did for a, a GoPro up above me looking down over me with me in the shot and the deer caught it on footage. I wasn't able to get the, uh, the actual shot on my big camera. And also I had a tactic cam going as well. So I got footage from the tactic cam. Um, but anyways, he comes by and he's at, I mean, he's at like 11, 12 yards. And I, I, I try to grunt at him. I might, or try to bleed at him to try to get him stop. And it's so windy. He can't hear me. I'm doing it pretty freaking loud. I thought, and anyways, he gets to this one opening. Or he's going through this one opening, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna touch off on him, and just held on the shoulder, right behind the shoulder, and, and squeezed off. Arrow hit. Good. Looked like a freaking good hit to me. Looked like a double lung hit to me, and he just tore out of there. And the prop, what, what, the, one of the biggest mistakes was, which I understand. You know, you got to film it. But the second I shot him, and I saw where it kind of hit the deer, I instantly go for the big camera, and try to pick up. And he's running at that time. He's running to my right uh, when I was facing him. So I'm trying to get that camera like face on him. And by the time I even can look back up to the deer, I mean, he's already like gone. Uh, you know, I'll lose him at like 60 yards through the field. So I had no, I had no clue what direction he really ran, uh, which was kind of a big mistake. And uh, man, you talk about some, some uh, whirlwind of just emotions at that point. So at that point, you thought you made like a like a dynamite shot on him. Like you thought he was double lunged. You thought he was, you know, about to fall over, running over the hill. Uh, what changed? Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. That's exactly what I thought. I thought I hit, you know, back of the lungs. You know, double lunged him like absolutely. Just I thought I smoked that deer. I mean, hundred percent thought I smoked that deer. 
And again, when I kind of looked back up to see him running, he looked like he was kind of like stumbling, acting kind of funny. So I thought he'd go. I thought he was running right down to these this briar patch at the end of the field. I thought he was going to be down there bedded somewhere dead. Um, you know, I, I sat, I shot him at uh, four. 4, 4.30, something like that. I, think, I guess it's 4.30. Uh, got down at dark, which was about 5, 5.15, something like that. And uh, right before I got down, you know, I was a complete passer, too. I mean, the arrow's sitting right there, you know, 10 yards from me. Uh, before I got down, I actually looked back up to the hill where the bucks had popped up on. I looked back over there, and there was another really good eight-point, which I think I've got video. I think I've got uh, trail camera of him when he was in velvet. Really good eight-point was standing there. I'm like, man, dude, there's a lot of freaking bucks out here. I'm like, I guess I don't know where all my does went. I had a bunch of does out there, but they didn't want to show up. Um, but got down. The problem was, this whole time, guys, since like 3 o'clock, it had been raining. I mean, it had been like, not a complete downpour, but it had been like, I would say like a really hard drizzle, you could say. Um, and, you know, I had been sitting there for almost an hour before I got down. So I knew when I got down, you know, the blood was going to be kind of iffy, depending on the situation. I got down there. Air was absolutely covered uh, in, in great blood. There was still blood on the ground. Um, you know, water had definitely, the rain had definitely taken a toll on it. But, you know, there still was, you know, pretty good blood. So I was like, man, dude, this deer's toast. And, uh, I, again, kind of called you, talked about it, and I, I thought I was just going to grid search. And I literally, I knew I wasn't going to find much blood. I kind of looked for blood from the different ways I thought he might run. Couldn't find anything. So I just started grid searching. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, after doing it about three times, working down the tree line, you know, with the, with my lights and everything, swing, then going to that thicket, going down the thicket 20, 30 yards and coming back down. And just kind of doing that for a couple times. <clears throat> definitely had the uh, realization, like, you know what, I probably ought to call Charles Miller or, or one of my buddies with a dog and bring him out here. And I'll say that was a huge, huge, huge moment uh, for calling him out. And if it wasn't for me doing that, uh, I don't think we would ever have to recover that deer. Yeah, so Charles gets out there. Y'all get on the trail. Um, what did y'all find when you got on the trail? Like, what did you have wrong when so, you were tracking him before? Yeah, so once we had Charles come out, you know, he brought Dallas, his bloodhound, um, who helped track my doe I'd shot back in September. And, uh, you know, it had Dallas come out, and Dallas is already, you know, second we get him to the blood, I mean, he's, like, ready to go. His dog, he's, he's good to go. And we're talking about and we're trying to talk about, like, kind of where I grew and searched, where I thought the deer had run, which I thought the deer kind of made, like, a, a half C shape, kind of, like, ran out from me and then ran down the tree line, and I thought it went down towards that thicket where the uh, briars are down the back of the field. So he's like, okay, let's just try it. So we kind of, like, you know, work Dallas. And we're, like, working down the tree line, dude. And he gets, we get 60, 70 yards from where where my stand was. And he hits this gap in the fence. Or not a gap. It's just like a, you know, hits the fence. And there's a gap, you know, that's, like, all prepped the whole way down. There's one gap up above the fence that, you know, you could, like, hop over pretty easily. He hits it. And he's, like, real strong on it. He's like, you sure you need to go through here? I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I'll be... He went in the back of the field. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. He's like, okay. Pulled Dallas off it. Ran down the, ran down the edge of the field. And then for the next 30, 40 minutes, we're just zigzagging all the way back through there. We're going around the briars, going down one of the briars, going north, you know, up one of the briars, all that kind of stuff. Working down the field, through the field. And like Dallas isn't really 
you could tell he's not really on anything. Like it wasn't anything that really got him excited. Then we started walking back down, and we walked right on back to where uh, down the fence row, back to where I shot the deer. He gets that fence gap again, or that the opening in the fence. Smell and like he's like he's just keep looking at it, and Charles is like you sure it didn't come through right here. I'm like dude, I'm like I don't maybe. I'm like by this point that deer could have done anything. I mean that deer could have flown away for all I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean had it so backwards. So we did a couple more loops coming around. Then Dallas came right back to that gap and fence. He's like dude, he's like that deer jumped right here. I'm like what are you talking about? He's like there's he's like there's blood right here on there. Is that there was a uh, one of those uh, marker uh, ribbons. And flag and tape. Flag and tape. There you go. Look at me. Look, I'm so greenhorn. And uh, <laughs> anyways, it had a little blood on it, dude, where he had jumped over and brushed it, and you could see blood. I'm like, oh, dude, that's my like, good eyes, man. So we threw, <laughs> we picked Dallas up, put him over the other side of the fence. We went over there, and man, not 50 yards <clears throat> on the other side of the fence, they had worked out in front of me, and all of a sudden, uh, Charles looks back at me with his light and starts flashing it. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe he's found the deer. I walk up to him. He's like, he's like, shh, be quiet. And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, the deers are right there. And I'm like, I'm like, is he alive? He's like, yep. And I'm like, where? And like, he hit his light, dude. I could see the deer. And his eyes is looking at us. And like, he was looking at us. And then he put his head down, like in the grass. And, um, and I, I look up. I'm like, dude, we're not 80 yards from my freaking tree stand. Like that deer did a freaking complete circle around my stand. And bedded down back behind my stand where I probably could have seen him. <clears throat> so he's like, he's like, I'm almost 100 percent sure that's your deer. And you know, Dallas was acting, you know, he's like real wiry. Like it's pretty cool dude, to watch a dog like that work. I mean, when they're on it, dude, they get all kind of like jumpy and all kind of like he, I call he calls it kind of like wiry. And um, he's like, he's like, you know, let, let, let's. He's like, it's he's hit, he's hit hard. You know, we had to actually cross the fence earlier, farther down, and actually walk probably within. 60, 70 yards of that deer, and uh, the deer never jumped or anything. And Dallas was acting kind of, you know, he was acting kind of wire again, you know, down when that deer. But when we swung back around, dude, Dallas is wanting to dive in there where that deer was. And the deer had been, he was bedded in some of that taller grass. It was probably, you know, waist high, right in front of a couple big cedars. And it was amazing on how close that deer would let us get without, you know, moving. That, that's how you could tell how bad he was hit. By the time we got in there and was, you know, looking at him at is nine o'clock. So he'd been hit, you know, going on, <clears throat> going on five hours, five and a half hours. Um, and I mean, that, that was kind of like one of the hard points, you know, I asked him, I'm like, is that one of those things? Is it something, you know, at this point that it would be worth pushing in there, try to finish him off with a knife or what do you think? He's like, no, nah. he's like, you go in there right now. You know, he's still got enough kicking him. You know, he could whoop your butt and freaking, you know, horn you, uh, you know, depending on the situation. So he's like, you know, best bet is probably for us to kind of back out. But before he did that, he's like, I want to double check and see if this is the actual deer. He took Dallas all the way around that deer. Second he gets to the downwind side, Dallas was trying to pull him into it, dude. So he's like, yep, 100%, that's the deer right there. He's he's bedded down. Um, so we backed out. He's like, you know, the best decision is probably for us to come back in the morning. And he's like, you know, that deer would probably be dead by midnight. But he's like, you know, we don't. he's like, I don't know what we're going to do to, you know, kill three hours out here. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. which it is a uh, 1207 right now. So that deer is probably dead right now. Yeah, dude, we need to go back out there right now and pick him up. Yeah. Run out there real quick. Go get your grip and grin and drag him out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the coyotes, get him. Yeah. That's the one thing we were talking about with him is like, you know, there's, I know there's quite a bit of coyotes out there. Um, he's, he's 
said that he, he had a feeling that the Cowboys probably aren't going to find him tonight just because the way the rain and everything was, and plus all of our sitting there, that the Cowboys probably aren't going to find that deer uh, tonight. Um, but he says that they do find him. That deer ain't going nowhere. He's not going to have enough energy to be able to fight him. He's probably going to be dead and freaking eaten in, in his bed where he's at right now. So one, yeah. way, one way or the other, we're going to go back in there and probably find him in the exact same spot in the morning, and that's our game plan. So you think it's a liver hit based off all that? Yes. So going back to it, uh, talking to talking to Charles, the second he saw the deer, he's like, dude, straight up liver hit. Second he saw him, he saw his eyes and everything. He's like, that's, he's like, it, that is a classic liver hit. He's like, <clears throat> you thought you hit back in the lungs. He's like, you probably were a little low. And the way that liver sits in there on the backside of the lungs, he probably just hit square in the liver. And, um, and just, dude, he's like, you know, that deer is going to take, you know, we always say, you know, eight hours on a liver hit. And, you know, at that time it had been, you know, three and a half, four hours. <clears throat> so he's like, you know, about three hours from now, that deer ought to be, ought to be toast. He's like, it might be dead now. Cause you know, after we walked around everything, that deer wouldn't put his head back up again. He just kind of kept his head real low. So he's like, you know, that deer might be dead right now, but you know, it's not worth going in there and then walking up on him. And he does have enough energy where he jumps up and bounds off and freaking, you know, dies on the neighbor's property or something like that. So. Yeah, that's that's a good call, and it's plenty cool enough tonight that you won't get any spoilage or anything. Oh yeah, like I'm not worried about that. The only thing I'm worried about is the coyotes, because uh, I, I know there is a bunch out there. Uh, you know, I haven't seen them, but man, I've seen the sign, dude. It's, it's insane. So we'll see. We'll see if they find them or not. If they, if they do find them, I, it won't be. It, it won't surprise me uh, if they did. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully they don't, and. Um... <laughs> yeah, we're recording this the night before it drops, so this is going to drop at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning like normal on Monday morning. Um, what time are y'all going back in? Uh, we're going to meet back at 8.15 at the property and then go in there, drive the truck in there. That'll be a very quick job, so hopefully we'll be able to have some photos to everybody around 8.30, 8.45, so uh, that, that's going to be the game plan. If we go in there, dude, and he's not there, I'm going to be, man, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah, I'll I'll be surprised as well if he's not in there. But so yeah, uh, everybody be watching social media uh, to see if you know Jacob does in fact recover it in the morning, which we're pretty confident that he will. But uh, sounds like a fun hunt, man. I hate that I wasn't there, dude. I'm telling you, listen, listen. If I man, I'm telling you, God, I wish I had a muzzleloader. I'm just saying, had the old smoke pole, bro. Old smoke pole. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it still turned out all right for you. Oh, dude, no, it, it was an awesome hunt, dude. I mean, great experience. You know, had a bunch of good deer all the way around me. Also, on a side note, on the way coming out, <clears throat> after I shot the deer, uh, I, I knew I wanted to go back to the car and get my get my other bigger light, a uh, little brighter light to come back out there. So I like packed all my gear, started walking out go past the pond and when you're coming past the pond you come up next to a, an older barn before you get up to the house i'm walking up there dude and by god i catch eyes up there by the barn and i'm looking and like you know the barn i think it's got a couple of pieces of old equipment in there they don't really use it for much and i look and man there is a freaking there's a good buck and he's just standing there dude and i mean i see him from like 50 yards and instantly the second i saw him i'm like that's the deer and I thought it was the G2 bug. And I, I kept looking at him. And he kept letting me get close to him. I, mean, I got within like 20 yards of the deer. I walked up to him. I'm like, man, I'm like, that. no, that's not the same deer. And I think it turns out to be one of these eight points that I've seen uh, on trail cameras. A really good deer. I mean, really good deer for me. I mean, he's probably 
probably net 110 inch deer, which is freaking, that's awesome for me. I mean, I ain't going to complain about that. <clears throat> but, uh, anyways, he was just there, dude. And he was just looking at me and kind of like squaring up, looking at me I'm like, all right, bud, you know, I'm going to keep on walking. So I like walked past him and, uh, it was kind of amazing, like how the light didn't affect, affect him. Like I wasn't talking or anything. Then I, you know, walked to the car, got my flashlight, came back down and he was literally bedded down right where I'd last seen him. And like, when I'm walking back down, he stands back up and looks at me again. I'm like, by God, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's and, like it's nighttime. you can't shoot me dude he's just chilling there i'm like man. and then like i get down there about 40 yards and he kind of like trots over to that big oak the oak, big oak tree about 40 yards away and just stands there just watching me the whole time and i went down got my you know went down try to track the deer came back out couldn't find anything when i came back out he was still right there again i'm like my god dude i'm like man i'm about to i'm about to hang a stand somewhere down the creek and catch his butt coming back through there because i mean he's a good deer seriously dude. so yeah Oh, and the, well, the funny thing is when I was talking to, when I was talking to our buddy, our buddy Drew, who lives on the property, I was telling him about it. He's like, oh, yeah, that buck's down there. You know, I see him most nights. I'm like, what the heck? Why'd you tell me that stuff, man? I'm like, he's not your pet. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, man. Dang, dude. He's like, Drew, he needs to go down there and smack that thing. Yeah, he he knew it. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we see that buck, you know, quite often in the backyard and crap. I'm like, boy. I'm like, can I get a stand in that freaking uh, magnolia tree? Because, dude. Put the smack down on that deer. Yeah, dude. Drew ought to go out there and get him. Yep. Yep. But anyways. Uh, yeah, so kind of a long night, but uh hopefully we'll we'll, we'll have a a good buck in the morning. Yeah. You're right about that. It's gonna be a yeah, lot. I'm feeling the same way. Yawn and mm. yep. Oh oh well. good old corona extra with some lime. We're good to go. So Oh, also, I was I was gonna say, um, uh, Greg Broadway texted me, talked to me earlier. He said he had his best hunt of the year today too. Saw four bucks uh, pushing does today. None of them, what he what he classified as shooters. One of them would have been a shooter for me, hands down, especially on public land. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, he had he had some deer pushing, man. So North Carolina's looking pretty good too. So man, it's heating up. Andrew, gotta get back yeah. up here. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be going back up to Tennessee Thursday, see what we can do. Meanwhile, in Alabama, we're like way out from the rut in most places still. Some of my spots are starting to heat up a little bit, but the majority of my stuff is still two months out or so. so yeah, good old that's Coos, fun. Good old Coosa management area. No, uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's let's uh let's put this one to bed, literally, because I need to go to bed. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, good to go. All right, man. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, watch the page tomorrow. Might have a buck picture for you. All right, guys. We're starting to get kind of close to summer here, and you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time, it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise, and I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about 
Hey, which saddle should I get? Which tree stand should I get? What about this piece of gear? What about that piece of gear? How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.